Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to Reverie True Crime. I'm your host, Paige. Today's episode takes place in Jamaica, where there are strict anti-gay laws, and I'd like for you to keep this history of Jamaica and their laws in your mind throughout this episode. The murder victim was a 16-year-old named Dwayne Jones, and they were a cross-dresser living in Montego Bay, Jamaica. Dwayne never came out as transgender, as far as I know. They were discovering who they were and living as their true selves. The vile hatred and strict laws towards the LGBTQ community makes for an environment that is very life-threatening for them to live. First, we're going to start with Laws Against Same-Sex Sexual Activity, the Offenses Against the Person Act. Jamaica's laws do not criminalize the status of being LGBT, but instead outlaw associated conduct, including anal sex and any sex between men. The Offenses Against the Person Act or OAPA, provides as follows. Section 76. Unnatural Offenses. Whosoever shall be convicted of the abominable crime of buggery, which is sodomy, committed either with mankind or with any animal, shall be liable to be imprisoned and kept to hard labor for a term not exceeding 10 years. Section 77. Attempt. Whosoever shall attempt to commit the said abominable crime, or shall be guilty of any assault with intent to commit the same, or of any incident assault upon any male person, shall be guilty of a misdemeanor, and being convicted thereof, shall be liable to be imprisoned for a term not exceeding seven years, with or without hard labor. Section 79. Outrages on Decency. Any male person who, in public or private, commits or is a party to the commission of or procures or attempts to procure the commission by any male person of 
any act of gross indecency with another male person shall be guilty of a misdemeanor, and being convicted thereof, shall be liable at the discretion of the court to be imprisoned for a term not exceeding two years, with or without hard labor. Gross indecency is not defined by the OAPA, but has been interpreted as referring to any kind of physical intimacy, including merely holding hands. According to Human Rights Watch, regardless of how often persons are convicted of buggery or gross indecency, quote, the arrests themselves send a message. The Jamaican press publishes the names of men arrested for those crimes, shaming them and putting them at risk of physical injury. The gross indecency law in Section 79 made LGBT persons, quote, vulnerable to extortion from neighbors who threatened to report them to the police as part of blackmailing schemes. Section 80. Other Matters Any constable may take into custody, without a warrant, any person whom he shall find lying or loitering in any highway, yard, or other place during the night, that is to say the interval between 7 o'clock in the evening and 6 o'clock in the morning of the next succeeding day and whom he shall have good cause to suspect of having committed or being about to commit any felony in this act mentioned, and shall take such person, as soon as reasonably may be, before a justice to be dealt with according to law. Police have great discretion in detaining individuals under Section 80. This and other laws are used by police to detain LGBT men who are engaged in sodomy or other sexual acts or forms of intimacy with another man or who are abusing animals. Jamaica is an exceptionally unfriendly island country for the LGBTQ community. It is said the present-day link of homosexuality to colonization, which also goes hand-in-hand hand with the connection of homophobia and anti-colonialism, reinforces and strengthens homophobia in Jamaica. An American ethnomusicologist, college professor at the Berkeley College of Music, Wayne Marshall, explained that in the island country, Homosexual behaviors are, quote, decadent products of the West and are thus to be resisted alongside other forms of colonization, cultural or political. Jamaica is so anti-gay that a professor of anthropology at the University of the West Indies said calling a man a homosexual is the worst insult you could ever say, and if you ever did, the man will get hostile fast. Dr. Stewart believes that homophobia does have an impact on so many facets of life. 
Homophobia, even molds how children and young adults speak to each other. For example, you cannot say, come back here. You have to say, come forward, because come back insinuates your, quote, coming in the back, referring to a sex position of gay men. To paint you a picture of how disturbing the not-so-distant past of Jamaica really is, the Jamaican Labor Party during the 2001 elections decided to make their theme song a violent one. It was a song by a dancehall reggae group, T.O.K., and the song was Chi-Chi Man. The tune supports and encourages the killing of gay people. There are types of Jamaican music that promote killing gay men, setting them on fire, stomping on them, and other terribly violent themes. The same year, results of a poll showed the percentage of Jamaicans who were against any attempted progress to legalize homosexual relations was 96%. The National Democratic Movement, a conservative group led by Peter Townsend, is against LBGTQ people having any rights in Jamaica due to the group's religious beliefs. Jamaican civil servants were protected by the civil service staff orders of 2004. These orders do have the force of law, which would keep citizens safe from being discriminated against because of their sexual orientation. However, the Inter-American Commission on Human Rights said that Jamaica does not have a law stopping discrimination against someone because of their gender identity, sexual orientation, or how they express their gender. There is no piece of legislation in Jamaica that makes an effort to take on or even mention hate crimes. There have been many attempts at changing these laws. Once in 2005, the European Parliament passed a resolution saying they wanted Jamaica to quash its antiquated and discriminatory laws and to actively combat widespread homophobia. Jamaican Prime Minister Portia Simpson promised the government would try to get the buggery law looked at and said, quote, no one should be discriminated against because of their sexual orientation, though the law was never assessed. Bruce Golding was an opposition leader in 2006 who would go on to become prime minister. In 2006, he made a solemn promise that, quote, homosexuals will find no solace in any cabinet formed by me. In 2008, Bruce was asked if someone from the LGBTQ community could be in the cabinet yet. He responded, quote, Sure, they can be in the cabinet, but not mine. A Labor Party member of the Parliament, Ernest Smith, in 2009 said during a parliamentary debate, quote, 
homosexual activities seemed to have taken over Jamaica. Ernest went on to say homosexuals were abusive and violent. He wanted an even harsher law prohibiting homosexual conduct between men. If this law was violated, the men would be locked away behind bars for life. Chapter 3 of the Jamaican Constitution included a National Bill of Rights in 2011. It declared the people of Jamaica are assured many political and civil rights, but what the bill does not do is confirm the accuracy of any laws that pertain to sexual offenses, pornography, or, quote, the traditional definition of marriage. The Charter of Fundamental Rights and Freedoms Act of 2011 was also set forth by the Parliament. This constitutional amendment outlawed same-sex marriage and any type of union to be accepted or acknowledged at all in Jamaica. In 2012, there was another poll that showed one-third of Jamaica's citizens which is a little over 900,000 people, did not think LGBTQ plus people were cared for and in safe enough hands by the government when it came to discrimination and violence. In 2016, a poll was taken and the results concluded 86% of the ones polled did not approve of homosexuality. Though it is less than 96%, that number is way too high. After years of lawsuits filed by different citizens and activists due to harassment, death threats, and violent acts towards members of the LGBTQ community, in December of 2018, a parliamentary committee suggested conducting a national vote about abolishing Jamaica's anti-sodomy law. Activists were up in arms, feeling that voting to nullify the law was unnecessary, saying people should, quote, stay out of gays' bedrooms. As of now, the laws against the LGBTQ community still stand. It is illegal for men to participate in homosexual activities, but for women, it is legal. Same-sex marriage is illegal. It is legal to change your gender in Jamaica, and surgery is not required to do so. Being non-binary is not legally recognized. Same-sex couples cannot adopt. A single person who identifies as anything other than heterosexual is allowed to adopt. A person of the LGBTQ community can serve openly in the military. Blood donations in the more recent years have allowed men who have sex with other men to give blood. Whether conversion therapy is legal or not, the current status is labeled ambiguous and unknown. 
There are absolutely no LGBTQ discrimination protections. A business has a right to hire or fire someone if they simply don't agree with the individual being an LGBTQ person. Buying a house is the same thing. A person has the right to not sell a home to another person if they are a part of the LGBTQ community. When crimes are committed against a member of the LGBTQ community, not a lot of people speak up, especially to police. Specifically, the majority of women in Jamaica are taught to be quiet about harassment and abuse in general. And most men often don't care about the violence towards men who are not heterosexual. With all of that being said, please keep those laws in mind as we get into today's episode about Dwayne Gully Queen Jones. Dwayne Jones was 16 years old in 2013. They were raised in Montego Bay, the capital of the parish of St. James in Jamaica. The part of Montego Bay where Dwayne lived was Paradise Row. At a young age, Dwayne noticed the difference between himself and other young boys. As they got older, they were quite effeminate. Due to not being like the other boys, Dwayne was outcasted and harassed persistently by fellow students for not, quote, acting like a young man should in the eyes of society. Due to all of the bullying, Dwayne exited the high school permanently, but the place he called home was no better. Dwayne's father kicked them out at the age of 14 and even emboldened and incited people in the community to chase Dwayne out, to physically ambush and ultimately shun them. All this hate from every direction only because Dwayne was being themselves and happened to show what a lot of people would think of as stereotypical girl traits. After being thrown out of their own home, Dwayne spent nights in bushes and spent their days on the beach in the beginning. For simply existing, Dwayne had a target on their back and their life was constantly in danger. Dwayne later moved in with two transgender friends who were both 23 years old, Kiki and Chloe, who had both been casted away by many as well. They squatted in an abandoned home in the hills of Montego Bay. There, hidden in the hills, Dwayne was finally able to be free, at least when they were inside. Friends lovingly called Dwayne Gully Queen. Gully Queens is the name for people who are out and proud, finding safety and shelter in sewers so they would not have to deal with the harassment and hostility by the police and citizens alike. 
For so many people who are LGBTQ+, they don't have anywhere else to go besides under the streets and filth-ridden conditions. They reside as well as bathe in storm drains under city streets, living with roaches, mosquitoes, rats, among other bugs and critters. They attempt to live the best lives they can while sleeping on provisional beds made of carpets, pallets, and anything that can be used to lay their heads on. In order to make money, they might resort to selling illegal substances, alcohol, biscuits, and performing sexual favors. Luckily for Duane, they were able to find refuge with Kiki and Chloe and proudly embraced the Gully Queen nickname. Duane began making friends in the LGBTQ community and expressing themselves through clothes, makeup, and dance. Finally, Duane felt acceptance after feeling so beaten down throughout their young life. Duane had dreams and aspirations of becoming a performer like Lady Gaga, a prominent figure who stands out and stands up for others. Duane even competed in dance competitions, winning quite a few. If not a performer, Duane wanted to be a teacher or work in the tourist industry. Tourism is how Jamaica brings in the most money, and tourism provides one-fourth of all jobs in Jamaica. Chloe said, Gully Queen was a diva who was always very feisty and joking around. Dwayne fully embraced being the Gully Queen and seemed to exude so much happiness at this point in their life. With this area of Montego Bay being a very homophobic place, it was brave yet extremely unsafe for Dwayne to simply live as their authentic self. And on July 21st, 2013, Dwayne would be killed for it. At 16 years old, Dwayne got dolled up for a party sporting a pretty dress with Kiki and Chloe. This party was at a straight bar in the area of Irwin, and Sundays were known as Hennessy Sundays. This was Dwayne's first time to go out in a dress to a straight bar. Dwayne was, of course, a tad nervous and anxious, but also very thrilled and ready to have a great night. Kiki, Chloe, and the Gully Queen took a taxi to the bar and arrived around 2 in the morning. Since Dwayne passed as looking like a young woman, boys were dancing with them and having a great time. People at these parties did not know if Dwayne was a young man or a young woman. It would be deadly if they knew Dwayne was a person with a penis who wore a dress. Dwayne was not trying to trick anyone into thinking they were a young woman. They just wanted to dance and express themselves without anyone knowing 
what was between their legs. That early morning of July 21st, Dwayne's secret of cross-dressing would be revealed by a young woman who Dwayne somewhat trusted at the party because they had gone to church together. This young woman scurried away, quickly telling her male friends and acquaintances about Dwayne's biological sex. These young men circled around Dwayne outside of the bar, intimidating them, wanting to know, quote, Are you a woman or a man? One of the young men took his lantern and began to look the gully queen up and down. When he got to their feet, he claimed those feet were too big to be a young woman's feet. Full of fear, Dwayne kept saying they were a girl, but it wasn't enough to satisfy the angry men. One of the men grabbed at Dwayne's private parts, and now knowing for a fact Dwayne had a penis, the man began calling Dwayne, quote, Batty Boy, among other homophobic slurs. Batty is slang for booty or anus in Jamaica. It's considered very inappropriate and offensive there. It's one of the worst things you could say to a person. As the verbal abuse continued, Chloe made an attempt to get Dwayne out of the situation so they could all just go home safely. Chloe put her arm around Dwayne while saying, quote, Walk with me, walk with me. Though the gully queen would not budge and stood up for themselves while in the face of imminent danger. Dwayne repeatedly told the men that they were a girl, and even if they were not, it was none of those men's business. The situation got worse from there. One of the men took hold of the strap of Dwayne's bra. Chloe and Dwayne fled as fast as they could, but this group would soon catch up. Dwayne and Chloe got separated in the midst of the attack. The men jumped on Dwayne and commenced to ultimately taking their life. The group of men's onslaught went on for about two hours at least. Not only fists and feet were used, some had knives and guns. Dwayne was passing out and coming back over and over again. No one ever tried to intervene. Hundreds of people were at that bar, knowing the brutality that was happening, and didn't do a damn thing to even slightly attempt to stand up for Dwayne or try to make it all stop. The Gully Queen suffered for hours until their body couldn't take it anymore, and their life had been beaten out of them. The flock of furious men also beat Chloe badly. She was almost raped. Chloe was able to run away to a church where she hid for a while before going into the woods. She did not have her cell phone, 
Unable to call for help, she stayed there until sunrise. When Chloe left, running towards Orange Street near the bar they had attended, she discovered Dwayne in the bushes. Chloe said, quote, When I saw Dwayne's body, I started shaking and crying. It was horrible. It was so, so painful to see him like that. Around 5 that morning, the police got to the scene of the crime. Examining Dwayne's body, they saw multiple stab wounds, bullet wounds, and it appeared Dwayne had been run over by a car. Police said it was one of the absolute worst murders they'd ever laid eyes on. Dwayne's family did not claim their body when it happened, and Dwayne did not receive a funeral for a few days because the family still held on to feelings of anger towards Dwayne and the shame they felt for being related to them. Dwayne's father would not talk to any media outlets about their child. The Jamaican Forum for Lesbians all sexuals and gays, also known as J-Flag, assisted in making Dwayne's burial and memorial service possible. The executive director, Dane Lewis, stated, quote, The fact that there were so many people at that party that they could have stood there and allowed a young person to be beaten, left to die on the side of the road, that hundreds of men and women could stand by and watch a life being taken without any need to stop it, it's very disheartening. There was another group that stood up for Duane, the Out and Proud Diamond Gang. Working with the Peter Tatchell Foundation, they organized a silent protest a few days after Dwayne's life was stolen to take place on August 28th in front of the Jamaican Embassy. In an attempt to protect people of the LGBTQ community from any hate crime, they petitioned for Jamaica to provide that protection. The number of perpetrators who inflicted violence on members of the LGBTQ community had spiked over the last few years. People who were at the bar were talked to and questioned by police and said they couldn't recall any of the murderous men's faces or names. Authorities spoke to many witnesses and weeks after Duane's brutal killing, there were maybe 14 statements made out of the dozens and dozens of people who were questioned. The following month, police thought they were getting closer to an arrest being made. Unfortunately, they were wrong. In the years to come, there were never any suspects. The Jamaican Deputy Superintendent of Police, Steve Brown, was the spokesperson for the investigation. He stated on August 14th that authorities were not getting information from any witnesses at the time about the murder due to Duane's sexuality 
and details of the mob's motive to kill. Steve Brown went on to say that people were victim-blaming Dwayne because they chose to wear, quote, women's clothing. The media was told by Steve Brown that the investigation was still ongoing, and if anyone had information, to please come forward. Though, no one ever did. As you might expect, due to Dwayne being a cross-dresser, and the gossip around their sexuality, Jamaican media did not cover the monstrous killing of Dwayne very much at all. For a brief moment, it was headlining news in Jamaica, but that quickly faded out. There was little to no awareness being brought to this tragic death of a 16-year-old child by the media. And a lot of people, at least in Jamaica, seemed to not care. When Dwayne's murder was talked about in the press, they made it seem as if Dwayne did something to deserve to be killed, and essentially said Dwayne, quote, had it coming for making men think he was a young woman. Even though the Gully Queen's friends said Dwayne never did that. Also, for the record, nothing warrants what those men did to Dwayne. Of everything that I have read, nothing, nothing suggests that Dwayne was out looking to trick men or even have sex. It was all about freedom of expression and dance and having a good time. A few weeks after the murder, Jamaicans for Justice gave a statement to the media, quote, There has been little sense of outrage, little media coverage, and only a few voices speaking up and out about this killing. We must ask ourselves what this says about us as a people. Jamaica's Justice Minister, Senator Mark Golding, talked about how awful the murder was and said there should be an end to, quote, depraved acts of violence in Jamaica, adding that all well-thinking Jamaicans should embrace the principle of respect for the basic human rights of all persons and express tolerance towards minority groups like the LGBTQ community. The J-Flag group said, quote, We send our sincere condolences to the family and friends of the teenager who was slain. We call for a thorough investigation into the murder of the teenager in Montego Bay and the hope that the family and loved ones of the slain teen will find the justice they deserve. The Gully Queen's closest friends, Chloe and Kiki, were having to deal with the tragic loss as well as Chloe's terrifying encounter with the men who were out to kill her, too. Chloe had scars on her arm and stomach, which are constant reminders of that night. She was haunted by the last image she has in her mind of her friend. 
Kiki was having a hard time processing everything that happened to her dear friends and expressed how much she misses their gully queen. Quote, I'll be cooking in the kitchen and I'll say, Dwayne, you hungry? Or something like that. We just miss him all the time. Sometimes I think I see him. Right down the hall where Dwayne's room was, it was bare bones besides the curtain on the window, and they were adorned with red roses. Chloe and Kiki were targeted even more now than ever. Their nightmare was far from over. Two trans women speaking to the media in a positive way about Dwayne made a lot of people seethe with rage and disgust. The two remained in the deserted home in the hills, and in October of 2013, an irate group of people went there and burned their safe haven to the ground. Police were contacted about the arson and went to the scene. When asked by an officer with the St. James Public Health Department named Everald Morgan to put Chloe and Kiki somewhere safe for a while so they could try to get back on their feet and gain some stability in their lives, the police refused. Kiki, Chloe, and others who would come stay at the home on occasion were put out on the streets where they could potentially become victims of a hate crime. Everald said, quote, We can say that we are becoming more tolerant, and thankfully that's because of people like Dwayne who have helped push the envelope. In Dwayne's memory, a charity named Dwayne's House was born. Dwayne's House gives shelter to homeless youth of the LGBTQ community. According to the Huffington Post, posted in 2013, the Jamaican Forum for Lesbians, All Sexuals, and Gays reported various human rights abuses against gay individuals to the State Department in 2010, including arbitrary detention, mob attacks, stabbings, and targeted shootings. There were also reports of gang rapes, genital mutilation, vandalism, threats, and intimidation. Police often did not investigate such crimes, and gay men are said to be hesitant to report them out of fear for their safety. J. Flag said there had been a spike in homophobic attacks by 400% since 2009. In Jamaica, the churches spouted their anti-gay ideologies even more. On June 23, 2013, an anti-gay rally happened in St. James. This rally was led by Montego Bay pastor Glendon Powell, a member of the Open Bible Standard Church that is based in Des Moines, Iowa. Jamaican LGBT rights advocate Maurice Tomlinson told LGBTQ Nation, quote, 
Despite this ongoing slaughter of innocents, many Jamaicans, including attorney at law and senior member of the opposition political party, Ernest Smith, categorically deny that gay Jamaicans are under attack. He also noted that officials will not deal with homophobic hate crimes, and instead, they push the narrative that gay people bring all of it onto themselves. Going on to say, the Jamaican religious right keeps claiming all attacks are gay-on-gay gay violence. They even have the police say this foolishness. The Jamaican government refuses to show leadership on the issue of human rights of LGBT people. End quote. In 2015, the LGBTQ community of Jamaica held its first ever gay pride event in Kingston, which lasted a week. The events included a flash mob coming together in a park, an art exhibit, and LGBTQ plus members of the community performed songs and read poems. It was a very peaceful event, and activists were saying it seemed as if people in Jamaica were becoming more accepting or at least tolerant of LGBTQ plus people more than in the past. However, the homophobic laws still stood. Latoya Nugent of JFLAG, who organized the Pride event, said, quote, I think we will look back on this and see it as a turning point because many persons thought that it would never actually happen. What we are seeing these days is more and more LGBT people willing to be visible, to be open, and to be public. It's remarkable. About the Pride event, a Jamaican civil rights activist, Angeline Jackson, stated, quote, This allowed the LGBT community and all its allies to feel free, to have a safe space for a week, but we need more. We have to change society. It's not only the law, but it's changing hearts, the minds, and attitudes of Jamaicans that's going to be difficult. We need to move people away from the mob mentality. Latoya Nugent also said, quote, We had an awesome and incredible week of events. What we're hoping for next is to engage leaders in business and the church and civil society to make Jamaica a more inclusive place for the LGBT community. To this day, Jamaica's anti-gay laws still exist and the targeted violence has not lessened. Dwayne Jones's case is still unsolved. The killers still walk free, but we can hope the fact that they have to live with killing an innocent human being, a 16-year-old, has been and will be utter hell, hopefully causing many sleepless nights. That concludes this episode about Dwayne Gully Queen Jones. Thank you so much for listening. 
Before closing out this episode, I want to thank everyone for their support on Patreon at patreon.com slash reverietruecrime. Thank you to Lorraine, Chelsea, Matt, Jade, Badcast Company, TZ, Angel, Stephanie, Steve, Rachel, Gigi, Zane, Amanda, and Kelly. Until next time, everyone stay safe and take care of yourselves and each other.